0: Today, Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Tom Wells here. Today is Friday. Happy Friday, April 13th, 2018, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, your first daily dose of happy for the day. And Friday the 13th, I just realized that as I was saying that. <laughs> That's why I yeah, saying, me too. I didn't think about that. F- people freak out about Friday the 13th. And given the history of it, I can understand why. I and mean, it's one of the things that the Da Vinci Code did for us. It told us why we're so scared of Friday the 13th. <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know... The way I look at it, Friday the 13th is just another Friday, and it's all going to be about what it is I bring to it. So if I decide I'm going to start the day feeling like, oh my God, Friday the 13th is so unlucky, guess what's going to happen, Tom?
1: (laughs) Something might surprise you today.
0: (laughs) Something I'm not going to like is going to happen because I expect it to. Yeah. So guess what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to expect this is going to be a great day. So how are you doing? Are you having a good Friday morning?
1: Yeah, I uh, I've always blown off that idea of the Friday the thirteenth or why they don't have a thirteenth floor on skyscrapers. Uh, I've just blow it off, but I don't know if I, that's a good idea. But <laughs> I know that I know the numbers do have something to do with something, but I I've never experienced any difficulties with the number thirteen. Um, you know that's really funny because in in um, Mayan culture, the number thirteen is is the is the sacred number, incredibly sacred number. Oh, really?
0: I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah,
1: they say 13 thank yous when they say thank you to somebody. Um, and thirteen's uh, yeah, it's a big number, It's and they multiply it to mean all kinds of different things.
0: Well, now that I think about it, there's also a positive association with 13 in Western culture because 13 is what's known as a baker's dozen. Mm-hmm and get that
1: extra one
0: the extra one now the origins of the baker's dozen that's not so happy but what's happy is everybody gets an extra one they get when they get a baker's dozen instead of getting a dozen <laughs> they get one more so i mean that's mm-hmm. the happy part about it yeah. So you know it doesn't uh-huh. have to be a bad thing it's just a question of how we decide to look at it and i know there are people who get very big into numerology and so forth my sister is one of those people yeah but the the thing i've learned about numerology is again it decides how, it, you know, it, it. it's not the number that decides how your day is going to be. It's you who decide how your day is going to be. And with any of the numerological readings you can get, no matter which, I guess there are like three or four systems you can go to, no matter which one you use, none of them say pure good or pure bad. They all say, mm-hmm. you know, leaning this way, leaning that way. This is where the troubles are going to be. This is where the strengths are. So again, it's what you decide it's going to be. It's completely up to exactly. each one of us. That's the way I look at it, anyway.
1: That's why I look at astrology and all kinds of things, you know, because everything is happening in the moment, and mm-hmm. it's all changing. It's all transforming. Everything's malleable. That's right. Yeah. And so, if we're not, if we're not at the seat of creation, then I'm not sure what is. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I know we have all this help in the unseen realm, mm-hmm. and some say there's something like God, which is the source of it all you know all that is uh, the divine light that's the source of it all but i don't know that anything separate whatsoever from anything as far as creation or destruction or anything it's all you know work work we're, we're connected to it all i saw this special on the book of the dead the tibetan book of the dead and and they you know when someone dies in tibet this um you know the some of the holy monks come and read the Tibetan book of the dead off these little uh, pieces of looks like parchment. It looks like papyrus or something, but it's I think they're pieces of bark or something that it's written into the whole Tibetan book of the dead. It's a great big giant stack of these sheets. And one thing they say to the person is that you're going to create the experience you're having now that you've passed into the other realm. And, and they said, they said first you're gonna meet all these loving beings that you're going to recognize some of them. This is I'm paraphrasing so don't take this as gospel truth. Mm-hmm. This is what I understood from the documentary I saw sure, a couple yeah. nights ago. No, that's
0: fine. But
1: then they said that once you go through that all that great greeting of these wonderful people, then you're going to be greeted by these these beings are gonna come who are gonna be so totally terrifying that, you know, it's gonna be just absolutely horrifying you know they're going to be carrying severed heads and there's just going to be blood everywhere and just all this horrible things and they said we want you to remember that that's your creation and so therefore don't don't get into it (laughs) that's basically what they say (laughs) it's going to be your creation and don't get into it because you need to pass through that too (laughs) you know it's like you're just like you need to pass through all the really nice Beings that are going to greet you, you need to pass through all the really scary beings that are going to greet you because it's all a projection of your own creation. And I'm thinking, well, that pretty much sums up probably the whole existence. You know, it's like it's, it's all our own creation somehow. This is it's true. pretty amazing.
0: It is all our own creation. And the, the thing that also goes along with that, I believe, is we get to choose what we are going to create at any given moment of any given day. So make mm-hmm. it a good one. You know, mm-hmm. why not? Go for it. Because we have the yeah. power. That's the, that's what's so cool, Tom. That's what I love most about the subject of these podcasts and what we talk about each time. We have the power. We're not victims. Mm-hmm. We're not the ones who are being acted upon by some unseen uh, power, by some unseen force. We have the power. That's a great mm-hmm. thing, knowing that we have yeah. that power. That's wonderful.
1: Yeah, that's what this whole podcast is about. It's about helping us to finesse our ability to have that power, you know, helping us to own it and then relax into it and let it just be a natural thing to be a creator of our reality rather than the victim mm. of what we of our own self or of anything we think we're the victim of.
0: That's right. Um, yeah. You know, it's a a the place in, to be. I mean pain in my butt. Huh? And, and you know, exactly. And and you think about it, we we talked starting off the show about Friday the thirteenth, right? About mm-hmm. how you know, it depends on how you you look at. It. Now, I could look up look at today in one of two ways because something happened today, and you know about this. Something happened today that never happens. I slept through my alarm, <laughs> right? I mean, yep. I've been uh, literally. It's, we're now seven past the hour, so I have been awake for a grand total of 19 minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're sounding pretty good. I'm
0: sounding pretty good for that, yeah. Now, I could look yeah. at that one of two ways. I could look at it as, oh, crap, I can't believe I slept through my alarm. <laughs> or I could look at it like, oh, wow, I slept through my alarm. Whoa, show's coming, let's go. <laughs> now, those are yeah. two entirely different ways of, of feeling about it. You know, Both yeah, of them are fairly exactly. intense, but one's a very negative one, and the other one's a very positive one.
1: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I had that choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that cho- that choice today too, Did you? Uh, because I I didn't get to sleep until about eleven fifteen, and then Ooh, I woke up yeah. at like four forty five or something, and I was laying there in bed thinking, well, surely I haven't slept enough um, because I went to bed really late, and therefore um, I'm going to be really tired. And then I, you know, that sort of thought was sort of there, but I didn't let that dominate. The thought I let dominate was I'm fine. Everything's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. You know, I can go back to sleep later, you know, and um, I mean, a lot of people don't have that option. You know, they have to go to work and they only slept five hours and they got to work all day long. And I have the option to go back to sleep at 10 a.m. this morning if I want to. But um, yeah, so. Just to have an attitude that everything's fine. I mean, I have to, I tell myself that constantly throughout the day, you know, in fact, one of my mantras is all is well. And um,
0: yes, that's I one.
1: might be starting to feel a little bit anxious about something or concern. And then I, I notice it just sort of floods into my head as a thought. All is well, all is well. And then I just relax and I say, oh yeah, everything's okay. <laughs>
0: And it is. It's
1: not always that I say that, but most of the time.
0: But it's true, isn't it? It's always okay. I mean, there are very, very rare situations where everything is not okay. Not that they don't happen, but most of the time, throughout most of our lives, most of the days, everything is okay. So Mm -hmm. it's actually a fairly safe bet to say that. Mm -hmm. But no matter what's going on, it's safe to say it's a good day.
1: And it's funny how we get into a bad day. I notice that if I if I let myself start to get agitated and worried and fearful about anything, things start to go wrong. <laughs> they can, they, Of course
0: know. they do. Yes. As,
1: as soon as I get into that place, I mean, I can, all of a sudden I'll, I'll stumble and stub my toe or I'll, you know, I'll hit my head on the, on the, on the cupboard door when I'm, you know, cooking my breakfast or something. And those things happen when, I'm in a place, and of course, I, luckily, they hardly ever happen anymore. But if I go into that place of fear or, or feeling, I believe the thought that says, I'm going to be late, or I better get, you know, I better speed up, and, um, you know, different thoughts that produce agitation and worry.
0: The movie so The Secret. So that's
1: what I really have to watch to not let happen. I don't let that happen.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing. The movie The Secret had a sequence where they dramatized it really nicely. I don't know if you remember it, but Mm -hmm. it was a sequence where the young woman gets up and goes into the bathroom uh, to brush her teeth to start the day. And she starts off with the toothbrush and the toothpaste and pushes the toothpaste tube, and the toothpaste tube just splatters toothpaste all over the place. (laughs) in in the first scene she reacts ah so badly i'm just not good and then it's one thing after another you know she kicks her kicks something Mm -hmm. kicks some furniture she's walking by ouch and and then she gets a run in her stocking and then you know it's like one thing after another happens and mm-hmm. then they kind of rewind and play again and this time the toothpaste comes badly out of the tube and she says, Oh, oh well, no big deal, and brushes her teeth and goes on to you know the next thing and oh no big deal. Oh no big deal. And so she mm-hmm. has a wonderful
1: day. <laughs> all, yeah.
0: all because of her decision about how she was gonna react to that silly tube of toothpaste.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we've all experienced that. I guess we all experience that all day long every day. We do. <laughs> you know who? We do. Yeah, Everybody things does.
0: Things happen, sure. But We get to decide how we're going to react to them. We get to decide Mm -hmm. what kind of feeling we're going to have about them. We get to decide whether or not we're going to feel trapped by them, or we're going to just dismiss them as unimportant, or we're going to actually feel good about them. We get to decide. It's our decision every single time. Mm -hmm. Now, some people will say, well, what about this, or what about that? Like, today, we're talking about relationships, right? We're on part four of Abraham talking about relationships. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and so I'll I'll play the devil's advocate role and say, yeah, but what about relationships? I don't have any control over somebody else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's funny because we ended our last podcast with, the, you know, there's 16 points that Abraham makes in this chapter on relationships, and they're all points that are what are spoken to you when you're doing your meditation, because this is the book called Getting Into the Vortex, which is... Four, four meditation sequences each 15 minutes long mm. where you know this beautiful music is played that's been designed to take you into a meditative state. And then Abraham through Esther, of course, speaks these 16 points. And this one that we ended our last podcast on says, Sometimes others believe that their happiness depends upon your response to them, but that is never true. And if you encourage them to believe that and stand on your head to please them, you don't help them or you. And, of course, you could turn that around to say sometimes you believe, sometimes I believe my happiness depends on others' response to me. Mm-hmm. But that's never true. And if I if I believe that and I stand on my head to then try to please people because I'm trying to get their response, um, I don't help them or me. That's been something in my life that has been very powerful and i might have mentioned that last pad podcast because i really learned at an early age to try to please my parents mm. because of the level of stress i felt they lived with and, and my mother would even come to me and beg me to do certain things you know tom please would you just you know sweep the kitchen and scrub the floor and take out the trash please i'm so tired you know and i'd go okay mom sure you know it's like and then i would I would always do this incredible job, you know, because I, I just wanted to please her so much. And mm. then, and then of course she, she was real good at giving me this fantastic praise, you know, Oh my God, I didn't expect you to totally strip the entire floor with stripper and, <laughs> and wax it. And I would do stuff like that. Uh-huh. And then for my dad who worked all day long and always came home in sort of a grumpy mood, I would then, you know, cut the lawn and edge it and work for about two and a half, three hours to get the lawn perfect. This is in Southern California where we never had a winter, so we could always be cut cutting the lawn and edging it. Right. You know? But uh he would come home and it'd be like, you know, my mom would come out so look what Tom did. Mm. Oh, look what he did. And then my dad would look and go, Oh, nice. And then he'd walk in the house. Uh, <laughs> but you know, that's what so I always abusive. got from my dad. He'd go, Oh yeah, that's great, Tom. And it was like but you know, I still believed I had to do stuff like that. And uh, so I and when I'm with like dating women now, I mean, there's I see this part of me that I'm it just so much wants to please, you know, and make sure and I and then a second I get away from somebody after I've dated them or, or just a friend who I've spent time with, I start thinking, my mind sometimes thinks, Did I do something to just dis- displease them? You know? Yeah, oh
0: well, sure. Yeah.
1: Well, it's weird, you know, and I'm learning that when I hear that voice, I don't, I, I'm going, that's that voice. That's not true, you know, it is. and I've checked, checked in with people sometimes and they go, no, um, I don't, am not thinking that about you. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> Isn't that interesting though, that that voice does haunt us. I mean, cause well, you know, we all went through not necessarily what you went through, but everybody goes through different kinds of things growing up Mm -hmm. with their parents, different kinds of things they associate and so forth. And some of them stick with us for a while, and they can stick with us for a long time. I mean, the greatest part is you somehow, I'm not sure exactly how, but somehow you recognized all that. You recognized that it was happening, and you were able to, in a sense, compartmentalize it and say, you know what, that really isn't reality. That's just the nature of what was going on with my parents and me.
1: That's that's pretty Well good. you mean I've compartmentalized it since then. Yeah, since then, right.
0: Since, since then. Not, yeah, I don't mean at the time. No. I did
1: it with teachers too, you know. And and even in the last like seven or eight years when I've had different shamans I've worked with and and other teachers of different online courses, I notice how I have this special attachment with the teacher and a big part of it is like the student who brings the apple to class and wants to be the teacher's pet, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: Part of me does that. You know, it's very tricky. I want to please others because I believe that their opinion of me matters. And um,
0: So what technique or what approach have you used to overcome being dependent upon that? Because you could easily be dependent upon that.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, let me read a little bit about what Abraham says, and then we can talk about that. Oh, all right. Well, Um, that sounds good. Abraham said... um, If instead you make your relationship with your inner being your top priority (laughs) and you deliberately choose thoughts that allow your alignment with your inner being, you will consistently offer the greatest advantage to the others with whom you interact. And only when you are aligned with your source do you have anything to offer another. If your behavior is influenced by your desire to keep another person happy, you will lose your connection to your source. And it's not possible for you to be happy unless you're in alignment with your source without that alignment, you have nothing to offer another. I think that's so powerful to think that I don't have anything to offer somebody else if I'm not in alignment so that alone is lately ever since I really got heavily into Abraham about four four and a half five years ago, this idea that that I don't have anything to offer a person unless I'm aligned. It actually came to me before. When I was an environmentalist and I started realizing, I've mentioned this on other podcasts, I started realizing that my negativity around the environment, you know, my fear about what's going to happen with global climate change, I was broadcasting that to everybody instead of, you know, maybe just an obvious, you know, what are are some solutions and being focused on that. But I wasn't aligned with source. And I was, and I realized at one point. I said, "I can, I cannot help anybody if I'm not at least happy." That's the bottom line. I got to at least be happy. This
0: is true. You can't, you can't help somebody else unless you're happy. It's impossible,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and it's yeah. a hard thing to to remember. In fact, the first time you hear that, you say, "What are you talking about?" But the simple fact is, when you we when you aren't happy, you've got nothing to
1: give. Isn't it funny? Yeah. Because we think that you know, like, like like if I'm really angry about, excuse me, something like, you know, the way blacks are treated or the way women have been abused and, and I, and I just get on that soapbox and I really rant and rave about it, or I'm really upset about global climate change. And I really, you know, get very strongly in the face of, you know, the EPA and, and uh, is you know, causing, seeming to be the cause of climate change that surely that, it's gonna help. I you mean, would that's think so, wouldn't happen. you?
0: Yeah, that's what we all think, well, you right? Would,
1: you would think. And yet if you're in this place of abrasiveness and anger and fear and you're and you're being motivated by that constantly, you really gotta ask if you if you believe it all in what Abraham's saying here, that you're not really helping.
0: The thing that I I it took me a long time to learn the same thing. Um my issues were different from that, but but nevertheless the pattern was the same. The thing I, I finally had to come to grips with was to face one really important question, and that was to ask myself, how often does it work to be feeling angry about stuff like that and to get in the face and to do all the stuff you were talking about? How often does it actually produce a positive result, and how often does it produce a negative result? Because mm-hmm. that's the kind of inventory that we never take when we're in that spot. We just figure we got to go, 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 go. It wasn't until I finally took that inventory and finally started to like count things up that I realized just how one-sided the results were. And they're really one-sided. I mean, it's 100%. That's about as one-sided as you're going to get. <laughs> There's no 150% to go for. You're as one-sided as you're going to get at 100%. But until you recognize that it always fails with that mm-hmm. approach, until you realize that, you'll just keep doing it. That's mm-hmm. why it's so important, I think, to take that inventory and kind of check the results and see what's happening. And and also you have to be kind of hard on yourself in a sense. You have to to hold yourself to a standard because it's very easy to try to talk ourselves into thinking, well, there was some improvement because I got somebody to listen to me and you know this person joined me in being angry and other stuff. So that's improvement. You gotta be careful. You gotta really look at yourself and say, was that really improvement did things actually improve was it really a better result cuz so many often, so many times when we're in that bad state we we convince ourselves that there is a better result when we really really look at it more objectively we we realize now nah, we're just deceiving ourselves nothing really really improved there at all
1: hmm. yeah i'm sure people could argue this point a lot and i think we talked about that last podcast about hmm. you know all the people who have demonstrated Against things, you know, and push back with I mean, the word resistance is now really powerfully out there in the mainstream because of so many people who want to resist all the different, you know, bad actors who are wanting to uh, destroy, you know, the like the EPA's previously established regulations about clean water and clean air and so many things are being you know, compromise so that there can be more drilling and more this and more that by big business. And um, so the idea of resistance has become really talked about a lot now and practiced a lot by all the, I notice all the environmental groups, you can't, I can't read a single mailing email from an environmental group practically. It doesn't have the word resistance in it or, <laughs> you know, push back against, you know, or yeah. fight against. And you know what Abraham has said so consistently is that what you push against, you're going to attract more of into your life because it's your dominant vibration, and whatever your dominant vibration is, you're going to get more of and and so then well well then what's the what's the solution? And here's the next sentence well, that well before Abraham, Abraham says, be, be go ahead
0: before you get to the next sentence, it isn't just yeah. Abraham that says that. Carl Jung, the famous psychotherapist, said that that which we resist persists that's one of his yeah. famous quotes you know mm-hmm. so you don't have to just rely on abraham there's, there's somebody you know a very famous person um from our history saying what we resist persists mm-hmm. and yet it's amazing how nobody who gets involved in these these kinds of uh group struggles is willing to even notice that he said that or to give it any credence because they're so wrapped up in, in the thing. I mean, as a libertarian, I, that was my thing. I was in libertarian circles, which are really small, by the way. <laughs> and <laughs> the thing about the thing about small circles is you're always trying to figure out, like, how do we add more people to the circle? Well, libertarians kind of copy what other political groups do by saying, well, they all get angry at, at things, so we'll get angry at things. In fact, we'll get angry at everything, because we, we're against <laughs> everything, right? So we'll just keep getting angrier and angrier. So now the question becomes, okay, so how do you build the movement, right? Well, you do it by... Working on people one at a time and getting them angry about stuff, right? Mm. And if you can oh. get one more person who's angry, you just increase the size of the circle. Hmm. And, and I thought about oh. that, and, and it sounds so ludicrous from the outside, from the inside, from, from you know, within the libertarian circle. That sounds like it makes sense to so many people there. But from mm-hmm. the outside, you look at that and you say, are you crazy? You're less than 1% of the population in the vote every year. You just added one. Who the freak cares? It's, <laughs> you know, at that rate, you may become a political factor in the year 69-47. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you may. Yeah. You may. You, you, may. may and, not. And, and you probably
0: won't, actually, because everything's so negative. now. Oh, that I had I no idea
1: that that libertarian was based on anger. Or
0: oh, or... God, yes, Tom. Oh, hmm. Well, you think about it. I mean, what's the parts that you've heard? you probably heard that libertarians are, are into small government. They want to cut everything back. Yeah. They want to do all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, right? Well, from their perspective, they libertarians get angry because nobody buys into that. Or not nobody, but not enough people buy into that for that to become a political force. And mm-hmm. so – libertarians are constantly hammering at the status at the liberals and you know, at the the big government conservatives at you know all this other stuff that they're hammering away and hammering away and hammering away mm. it's, it's all about anger in mm. fact that's um. it's with libertarians i i've mentioned this before it's with libertarians that i first recognized just how incredibly negative focused people can be because libertarians are especially in that way and the way i recognized it was by asking first myself and then other libertarians i knew a very basic question can you define libertarian philosophy without referring to anything negative
1: yeah i think that was funny how you did that
0: and when i when i had to face that i mean it took me weeks to come up with something other than well i believe in freedom mm-hmm. that was the one thing i could come up with quickly i believe in freedom and that's what mm-hmm. almost anything can come up with And then if you follow the question up with, well, what do you believe in beyond that? That's positively phrased, no negative, no no saying I'm against this. How do you say that positively? And you get blank looks. And that blank look started with myself, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to say what I'm in favor of. It took me a long time. I actually got to the point where I could do it. But nevertheless, what I came up with was so different from what others thought that they couldn't buy into what I was saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. They just could wanted and... they couldn't relate to it.
0: They couldn't relate to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had some of them tell me, "Well, you sound like a liberal."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm talking about the solutions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well.
0: You know, it, 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 it's just it's a, it's an amazing thing. It's it's incredible how easily we are able to just fall into negative traps and stay there and not be able to see the positive way out. But on the other hand, once we see just how much those are traps and, and just what the value of the positive is, and we start taking some inventory about what the actual results have been from you know pursuing these so-called solutions that are actually just negativity rants, then it becomes easier to climb out of them. And so now mm-hmm. I'm at the point where for the most part, I, I don't even associate with libertarians anymore. I, I just don't even talk with them anymore, which is weird. I mean, I was, yeah, I was, now I was you're that even long time. associating with liberals. I, I mean, I, well, I've, you I've always had, I've always had really with liberals and conservatives to certain degrees, not because of their political philosophy, but just because I can talk to people, you know, but I, I just don't even associate with libertarians anymore. I just can't stand the negativity. How's Mm -hmm. that for a shift?
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good example. Yeah. Well, the next sentence sentence that Abraham said is, you know, since this is a book about this meditation process they teach.
0: Oh, I should qualify. I just realized there is one libertarian that I deal with. Joel (laughs) Elston is a libertarian. So oh, okay. I have a co-host who has the same kind of philosophy, and by the way, he's about as interested in associating with them in a political basis as I
1: am. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he sort of sees the same thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I don't call myself anything anymore. I, I, you know, I used to think I was, you know, a, a radical liberal, and now I think I don't. I don't even want to name myself any of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm really interested in being a human being who's connected to Source.
0: Exactly. exactly.
1: Who's in my vortex. That's all I really want to That's be. That's all that matters. And by the way, look
0: look what happens here. Here we have you and me. We came from two different political perspectives. We're Mm -hmm. now united together, but not over politics. Politics has kind of gotten pushed aside. It's not all that important anymore. What a great thing that is. We found unity. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure there was a time where we would have been talking on different sides of the coin. Absolutely, you know,
0: shaking fists at each other and sh- all that kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have thought I can't talk to this guy. No, he, of course not. This guy's this guy's a big this, guy. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Well, that's a good. That's a good sign. You know, that's where I hope we're headed as a, as a race, as a world. You know, is into more and more people realizing that the one thing that does unite us is that we're all infinite beings who are here to play a really amazing game called life and that we don't really need to actually make it such a divisive thing that we could celebrate each other's diversity. Yeah. And then, you know, get into dialogue that can help us under, you know, we can talk about the things that we maybe stand on opposite sides of and see if there's a way to find ease with the whole thing and, so, we can all live here in a beautiful way.
0: Which we do. That's why, why I love our podcast. That's why I like doing them with you because I mean, I'm constantly learning stuff from you. I think you're learning stuff from me. It, it, oh, it just yeah. works this way. It's so good this way.
1: This is the way okay. to live. Yeah, in my mind, it is. Yeah, absolutely. So the next thing they say is our daily meditation process will help you to consistently release resistance.
0: Great. <laughs> yeah.
1: and to come into alignment with the power and clarity and love that is really who you are. And here's the next statement they say. And then anyone who you hold as your object of attention will benefit. So it's the exact opposite, you know, when they say when you aren't aligned with your source, then no matter what you offer to somebody is not going to benefit them. But when you are aligned with source and anything you offer and to anyone, anyone you hold as your object of attention will benefit. Others will notice the consistent happiness you're experiencing and they can benefit from the power of your example. As you let them know that your happiness is dependent only on your own ability to focus yourself into alignment with who you really are, you can assist them in discovering the same freedom for themselves. Rather than attempting the impossible task of trying to behave in ways to please others, show them the ease of finding your consistent alignment. You will always find happiness inside your vortex and the happiness they are seeking is inside their vortex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I noticed like the whole, the whole rest of the part that I was focusing on today, they just go on to say over and over in different ways, that everything is just depending on one thing and that's you being inside your vortex. And that's where I'm glad we've done some shows on how do you be inside your vortex? Because boy, that seems to be the answer to everything is you've got to be aligned with, with the thing that is really who you are. And that's why they offer the meditation as such an important thing. I, I tell clients very early on in my working with them that, you know, I asked, do you have a meditation practice? And we talk about that because it's so vital to have this time every day, if you can, where you go to this place of calming down your thoughts and letting something else that's your essence come forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, I, yeah. I, I I have to say, even today, after years now of being aware of what this means, that once I understood what being in your vortex, what being in the right vibration, what that really meant—that what it really meant was feeling good—I still get blown away by all of this depends on just how I decide to feel. Mm-hmm. Do I feel good? Then great, everything works out. Do I feel bad? Then not so great, things don't work out. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you mean it's that yeah. simple? <laughs> oh God.
1: yeah that's that's the beauty of it and it's frustrating to me when i can't when i know that i can make a choice to feel good but i don't feel like i can make the choice it feels sometimes like yeah i want to feel good i know i want to feel good but how do i get there (laughs) how do i get there from here i think Um, that's
0: what keeps us going on this as a topic because We've all, to one degree or another, come from a place of first learning that we do have some control over our emotions, a lot more than we thought. Uh, I remember the first time I experienced being able to move my own, my own emotional set point without having some event happen to me. I was astonished at it, because mm-hmm. it, it, it absolutely went against every rule I knew of in my life. But from that point on, all of a sudden, the rules had been broken successfully, and there, it was like Pandora's box. There was no going back, Right so okay well can i do it more often can i learn to do it more often and over time i have learned to do it more often and i've gotten Mm -hmm. to the point now where i i I can almost do it on demand not quite but i can almost do it on demand every time sometimes i still get stuck a bit but i mean what a transition that has been going from a place of believing that i have no control over my emotions that my emotions are completely dependent upon whatever happens to me in my life to a place now where if I really am willing to do it, I can move my emotional set point.
1: Whoa, that's, yeah. that's a
0: huge journey.
1: It is a huge journey. And that's why I became a life coach because I I made such a amazing transformation in my own life from my own struggle and suffering and trying too hard and worrying too much and feeling too lonely and, you know, All that stuff after my divorce uh, eight years ago that, that, you know, coming to the point of feeling that I was completely in control of my happiness and that I could choose every day to have feeling good be my dominant intention for the day. The number one thing on my list of things to do and then learning to actually do that has been so wonderful.
0: I I want to ask you, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Were you ever in a point? In your life where you really did not believe you had any control over your emotions,
1: I suppose um I don't know I mean <laughs> that's a hard question to answer. Yeah. have I ever thought I didn't have any control um I certainly have felt a victim
0: uh, sure, <laughs>
1: I certainly yeah. really felt like a victim, and um I mean i yeah, I would say just a couple of days ago, <laughs> oh you know I mean, I go through periods you know where I might feel like I've, there's a mood that's affected me. Um, And then that mood is set, is such that there's a part of me that sort of feels locked into it. Mm -hmm. And it wants to say, you know, okay, so I got to kind of get out of this mood. This doesn't feel that great. Or, you know, I notice that the mood is not giving me access to the resources that I want to have, for example, to work on my business, to improve um, some aspect of my business that I'm trying to work on. And, and I sort of feel like I'm the victim of of being locked in a certain mood. And then that's always my red flag. That's always my indicator that that can't be true. So therefore <laughs> um, what is it I could do, to, you know, and then that's when I'll do something like I'll start writing down all the things I appreciate, or I'll go for a walk or I'll, I'll, you know, start playing the guitar or <laughs> I'll go general, you know, I'll find something or, I'll make a decision. I think I'm going to choose that everything's working out fine and and I feel good and you know it's a very various different things that I play with to get myself to understand that I am in control and that it's just it's just a decision away. It's just the next moment away. Okay. So I have I have all kinds of different things I use and that's what I when I work with clients I use those things with clients to teach them you know, all the different things they can do in any given moment to remind themselves that they are in control and that they can make choices to go in the direction that they want to go.
0: So now that we've established fairly nicely for today's podcast, the importance of that feeling place because that's when we are in the vibration, or not, not in the vibration, in the vortex, when we're having, when we're feeling the good vibrations as the Beach Boys used to sing. Once we're <laughs> there, what good does that do it do us with somebody else? Because this The topic today is relationships. Yeah. And I know that for most people, the first time that they hear the word relationships, they're they're usually thinking significant other, you know, soulmate or wife or or spouse or something like that. Uh So, but it's, of course, obviously it's broader than that. Relationships are anybody we have any kind of relationship with. But how do you deal with somebody else? Because you can't, you have no guarantees that they are going to be in the same understanding that you are.
1: Right. But the only thing you can really do is model it and be an example of it yourself. And, and if you get a chance, you can talk to someone about it if they're open to it. But um, I remember when my kids, I was really concerned about my kids as they get into their 20s. And, and before that, too, I have three stepkids. And, you know, like when they're struggling um, and I'm going to see them say, I would, I would always feel like I want to help. Because that's what a dad does, you know. Sure. And that's what a mom does. But <clears throat> when I read this this part in the, in the book on relationships here that we're doing today, they said, when you expect another to succeed without the benefit of your help, and you see them as your source sees them, um, well, then you see them as your source sees them. When they you expect them to succeed without the benefit of your help, When you believe another needs your help and you attempt to shore up their weakness with your strength, you help them not. So in relationships, I would realize that if I'm going to see my three stepkids or one of my stepkids, and I think that they need my help or that they're in trouble because, you know, they're obviously going through a real difficult time about a relationship or about money or about something to just realize that, that I that their source sees them as complete and beautiful and just doing fine. And so I don't need to shore up their weakness by trying to give them my strength, whether it's hand them money or to, you know, somehow, um, you know, think I have to teach them the law of attraction or something. But to know that in all of the relationships I have with anyone and everyone, I need to let them Find it in their vortex the same way I find it in my vortex and know that Source is completely working with them. There's never a time Source is not working with any of us.
0: So that's a key point right there. We don't actively have to teach anybody how the law of
1: attraction works. Yeah, we just have to live it. You know, really, it's our example that teaches. And Abraham says that so many times, and I'm glad they do. It's not words that teach. It's your example, it's your living it that teaches. So, does that answer the question you just had?
0: Well, I think it starts to. Yeah, let's continue with yeah. the reading and see what else it, uh, okay. it has to tell us.
1: When you are in your vortex, when you, so, in other words, when you're in alignment with your broader perspective, and then you're focused on other, and then you focus on other human beings, your attention to them is helpful. Whenever you are aligned with the powerful energy of your source, anything you focus upon receives the benefit of your gaze. When you're in your vortex and in alignment with your inner being, you are then tuned to seeing only success in the other humans you are observing. Whenever you are aware of the problems of others, it always means you're not in your vortex, and you're not in alignment with the way the source within you is viewing them. That's a really powerful statement. uh, Yeah,
0: I want to underline that one. When you're aware of their problems. Yeah. It always
1: means... You're not in your vortex. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So when we're looking at anything that's a problem out in society of other people or even at the animals, I was thinking like, you know, Peta, you know, that thing of of, when we're looking at the problems of other other beings, it's it's when we're not in our vortex. (laughs) And then if we're not in in alignment, then we can't see the way source is viewing them. Yeah. Isn't that? It's That's, so complex in a way.
0: It, it is complex. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you almost want it to have a neon sign and big underlines and bold letters saying, "When you are focusing on the problems of others, you aren't helping them." <laughs> yeah, because it's That's we so believe to it, is. it is. It is. People do things. I mean, we we don't think of it that way. We think, well, we got to focus on their problems if we're going to help them. Mm-hmm. No, doesn't work that way. And by the way, at the same time, you can't be in your own vortex. You can't feel good when you're focusing on their problems. Now, that that seems like it should be so straightforward, but it's not when you're actively in it. When you're feeling that way, it doesn't feel straightforward at all. Mm -mm. It's one of those things that it's like I need to put up a sign that 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 is always in front of my eyes wherever I go. And that (laughs) sign says you can't help them by focusing on their problems.
1: What you could do is get one you get like a some kind of like a coat hanger and put it around your head with <laughs> the part that sticks out and then hang a sign there right there so that you can see it all the time. Like like I can't help you if I'm focusing on your problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that though. But it's so it's true. A- it's so true. Uh
1: when you're feeling the discomfort from seeing other people in a lackful or needy situation, and how often are people doing that in this world? Oh, good.
0: good, You're feeling
1: good. the discomfort good. and you decide to help them. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. Okay, from your place of discomfort, yeah, I'm feeling really bad about how much pain you're in. Then here's what Abraham says. No lasting value ever occurs. <laughs> For two important reasons. First, you're not in alignment with the energy of your source, and so you have no real value to give. And second, your attention to their need only amplifies their need. So, There's a great word in there, too. The, you I, don't know, can't I don't know if you noticed the word. Anything. The word was Pardon?
0: lasting. That word, lasting. When you said that word, boy, did that catch my attention. Mm-hmm. No, no lasting, lasting value. value. They didn't say yeah. no value. They said That's no true. lasting value. Hmm. That's okay. a really different thing. I mean, if yeah. we really, really push hard, we can find a way to say, "Well, there's a value to this," or "There's a value to that." We can always find something, but no. Yeah, lasting no- Nobody
1: value. could say that you know somebody who's who's really really upset about a starving person who's sitting at the corner of the intersection begging for money, who then you know reaches in their backseat and finds. A box of crackers and hands them the box of crackers, you can't say that, you know, out of the, di- out of the discomfort that the driver had to hand the, the needy person on the side of the road the box of crackers, that you didn't give them value, you know? Right. You gave them, you know, this person who's about ready to pass out, or maybe you give them water, you know, or something, you know, you can't say you didn't give them value.
0: That's right. That's right. And but is it lasting?
1: Right. And that's that's why when we look at the world's problems, that's why this whole law of attraction stuff is so important to me when I look at the world problems, because I say if we want lasting value to happen in our societies, where should our focus be on railing against the lackful or needy situations and helping people from our place of anger and upset and being pissed off and being fearful about the way things are going or. Should we first get aligned with the energy of our source and help others from our place of strength and alignment? The next thing that Abraham says, it says, of course, it's a wonderful thing to help others, but you must do it from your position of strength and alignment, which means you must be in alignment with their success as you offer assistance not in alignment with their problem. And tons of people who are helping other people in this world are doing it from the point of view of seeing that person as successful, you know? So there is a lot of that going on.
0: There is, and it's in unintentional in many cases. It's not like people say, well, I'm going to see them as successful, and that's how I'm well, going to Well,
1: whole, whole organizations are created around the su- success, though. You know, like, like, let's say they go into high schools or they're working with disadvantaged youth or something, and they, they base their program on, the success that others have achieved right. through going, going exactly. through their program, exactly. and they see this person who's suffering as already a successful, you know, achiever of the value that their program offers. So, mm-hmm. or at least every aspect one. of their program yeah. is a is an upliftment.
0: There. Right? Yes. Yep. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, that's right. I interrupted you. So we're even. <laughs> no, no, I interrupted you. <laughs> no it's true Uh, Uh, in fact uh one of the i mean every viewpoint including a libertarian viewpoint has some some good stuff that goes on and one of the things that made it easy for us to do as libertarians was to say well look at the war on poverty since it has been initiated poverty has increased look at the war on drugs since it has mm -hmm. been initiated drug use has increased Look mm-hmm. at the war on anything. Look at the war on hate. Hate has increased. Look, everything that we declare a war on has increased. Maybe we should stop doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if it keeps us feeling bad, then we know that it's not working. I that's mean, that's true. it's funny to say that, but I I really believe it's true, and that's of course what Abraham's saying here. If, if they go on to say it's it's easy to know if your offer is coming from a place of alignment. Or a place of resistance because you can always tell by the way you're, you are feeling. Mm. When your awareness of their situation makes you uncomfortable and you offer help to make them feel better and to make yourself feel better, you're not in the vortex and you're not helping. But when you feel an inspired eagerness to offer something because you want to participate in their happy, successful process, your attention to their success harmonizes with the point of view of your source. And the infinite resources of the universe are at your disposal, and that does help. So it's a whole thing about can you, we can we come from a place of already seeing them as success, as successful and happy, and and feeling good from the place we're coming from.
0: Yeah, and the one precedes the other. You, you have to feel the good first. If you're mm-hmm. feeling good first, then it is possible to see yeah. them in the best possible light. It is possible to see them winning, succeeding. It, it's possible at that. when you're in that good-feeling place, when you're in that place of happy, confident, joyful, you know, grateful, wonderfulness, when you're in that place, you can, it is possible to see, even the most miserable person, you can see them in their best light. It, it is possible to do, but only when you're there. You really can't do it any other time. If you're in a place yeah. that's, that's not as high value or high-vibration, rather, There's no way to do it you you can try but it's it's like you know miles and miles outside of your
1: reach it's especially evident in as we said last podcast with with families where the parent is wanting the child to do a certain behavior and and the parent isn't really in that place of their vortex of being truly happy but but they're trying to convince the child to be in that place.
0: Yeah, that works real well, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah. The parent, you know, who Abraham talked about this, the parent who constantly notices when their child is doing well and successful and happy, and they and they point that out from time to time to the child. You know, it's so nice to see you getting along with your brother so beautifully. You guys are such good friends. I love it what great friends you guys are and that you share each other's things with each other you know things like that and then when they're not doing that the they you know abraham says the parent can say wow it's so unlike you johnny to not be sharing your truck because i've seen you share your truck with with bill so many times and you guys have so much fun doing that you know it's so unusual that you wouldn't do that i mm. wonder i wonder what you're feeling what's going on are you feeling sad or you know you know then you can probe into why wouldn't they be doing their normal, happy, successful behavior?
0: I love it, so, too, when I see a parent do the more direct thing, which is, well, we'll often see it with a parent <clears throat> who's working with a child who's unhappy, right? And the child, the, the parent is just directly relating to, yeah, I understand you're so unhappy, and, no, I don't want you to feel that way. There's a way. There are ways for you to feel better and blah, 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 blah. But I really love it when I see a parent in some way say to a child you are so happy right now I mean don't say usually don't say those words usually it's you know something more tied to whatever specifically is going on in that situation but I love it when I see a parent reinforce look how happy you are I am so glad that you are so happy Mm -hmm. I would love to see more of that in life because that's exactly what I think would do the most good
1: I do too and that's that's the next main point that Abraham makes oh, said, well. when, you, when you look for another strengths, even when they're hard to find, your attention to them amplifies them, and in time, because of the spotlight you have shined, those strengths will become apparent to others as well. I had this experience with my three stepkids, where one of my stepkids for a while was going through difficult times a, a lot, and and one of the other kids would would say, "What a You know, what a failure they were Mm. and what a screw up they were. And so when I would get together with them, I would try to say, yeah, but look at how he does this and look at how he does that. Oh, no. Look at how good he is at that. I said, did you think about that? You know, maybe we could just like focus on that. And this is after I'd gotten into Abraham. That's why I was doing it because of this one sentence. That's why this this chapter on relationship has affected my life in so many ways, because all of these points are so deep. Um, they're so deeply ingrained in our society about how we've been trained in a lot of ways to not do these things, Mm -hmm. you know, like instead of, you know, looking for another strengths, you know, you get this one person in a group who, you know, like in a family who everybody's down on and then they keep sometimes focusing on the person's, you know, negative attributes. You know, they focus on their weaknesses and instead, even when they're hard to find look for their strengths and say the good things about them. Like if you're in a gossip situation with your friends and they're all putting down so-and-so because she always does this and she always does that, some negative thing. The challenge to me in those situations and the in that circle of conversation is to go, yeah, but you know what she's good at? You know what I love about her? She does this and she does that and she does this. And start naming the things. And it blows people's minds, you know, because oh, yeah. you know, and some of them even will go, "Yeah, but she's still a screw up. She still does this," and it really pisses me off, you know. And I go, "Okay, but but that's you one know, of the exception."
0: You're right, though, because if you if you do that, I've noticed that it's you can watch the shift go on on the faces of the people yeah, who, have been exactly. who have been negative. All of a sudden, their entire perspective visibly changes before your eyes. You can actually Isn't watch change, you know.
1: That's so true. Yeah. Especially if it's somebody that everybody's holding this constant opinion about. Oh, Oh, she always is such a bitch about that or something. (laughs) Yeah, right. And you just say, yeah, but you know, the other day I was with her and she was, I saw her with this dog and she was, she was treating that dog with so much love. I had never seen a person (laughs) treat a dog with that kind of love. I swear, she must have so much love in her. And you know, and you're not faking it, you know, no. you actually believe that, but you're not putting your focus on the thing that is the weakness, you know, like, like I have my friend who this woman I'm dating right now, she did that the other day with me about Donald Trump, I was saying something about, of course, Trump would do this or that, and she goes, and she just her face just went into this blank, she didn't encourage at all what I was saying. And she said something like, I think he really wants to help in this blah, blah, blah situation. I go, what? And she says, I think he really cares. And I said, you do? And she says, yeah. I, and then she gave me like three or four reasons why he really cares. And it was like, I almost wanted to say, you're crazy. You know? <laughs> but, but part of me said, that's exactly the practice I want to do more of.
0: That's a good one too. Yeah. Even
1: though it's Donald Trump, maybe there is something positive that I should be saying about, I could be saying about him that would actually help help the situation because I would maybe be in my vortex. Maybe I'd be seeing him more the way Source sees him. Maybe I would be not broadcasting anything negative. Because I don't go around broadcasting negative things about any politicians or because it's just, I know it doesn't help, you know. But but the fact that I I I was resisting a little bit of her saying something positive. I was thinking she must be deluded, you know. Um, but then I said, wait, maybe she's not deluded. Maybe she's seeing this from a place of so much compassion that she actually sees something positive
0: you know as as you're saying that something really interesting came to me because um i've talked with you and with others on the podcast about avoiding the news and about mm -hmm. not listening to the news not watching the news and so forth because there's so much negativity in there And I do think it's important to to get away from it as much as you can because you need to have that space from all that negativity if you want to regain your perspective and get into that good vibrational place, that good feeling place. However, there is – I just realized as you were saying that – there is one really good value to the news because every single news item that comes through is an opportunity to look at the good side. And that's a real exercise – because yeah. the newscaster is telling you about all the bad sides and so you're mm-hmm. you're you're basically practicing it in the hardest time to do it when you're just yeah. being inundated with all this bad 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 going on mm-hmm. but what a great time to practice it not that you want to do it continuously cuz you can actually wear wear yourself out really fast especially <laughs> you know i mean i don't know of any of us who are such uh masters at this that we can maintain wonderful composure in the face of the worst possible things that go on that's there are very well and being to said
1: that. to you over and over over again over too. and over <laughs> and over again
0: but there's no reason to try it you know like a short period of time you know try mm-hmm. it for five minutes and see can i focus on whatever it is they're focusing on and find the positive side of it and stay there that's a good exercise to do
1: i love doing it with people you know mm. um or, or like this next sentence, sometimes others are so focused on their unpleasant details of their current situation that they are unable to catch even a glimpse of hope for things to turn around because they are so embroiled in the reality they are living. They continue to perpetuate vibrations that match what they do not want. So they continue to attract more of what they do not want. So, you know, when you're in your vortex and your vibration of alignment you can you can see that those even those people as successful and and just see that how they're pinching off their success this is what abraham goes on to say but you know only a person who's in that place with their own self can see these glimpses of hope like you say if you're watching the news you're not going to see it unless you're in that place yourself where you're feeling hope in your own life and you're feeling the possibility for all this wonderful expansion to take place in your own life then you can look at other situations and see the hope for them, That's for those right. situations.
0: And by the way, if we are also on that other side we were talking about, you know the activist side, the side that you know, shakes the fist and organizes and so forth, well, every time that we're, we, we see something on the news and it's being presented in a way that we oppose, we're shaking our fist at, and every time it comes in, in a way that is presented in a way that we support, we say, yeah, 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 yeah. And in both of those instances, we're cutting ourselves off from our own inner being. That's yeah. that's like yeah. whoa, <laughs> what happened here? <laughs> yeah,
1: but that's but the but, hard part but it was what, it
0: was something I was in favor of. Mm-hmm. How can I be cutting myself off my inner being if I'm in favor of it? And yet that's exactly mm-hmm. what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Whoa. that's huge. We're down to our last minute. We got to be really quick here. So before we leave, uh, I want to uh, ask you to tell people how do they reach out to you if they are looking for a little personal assistance and perhaps getting into that better vibrational place.
1: Um, They could have a free one-hour coaching session with me if they go to my website, youarejoy.com, and they can sign up there with their name and email address for a free one-hour of coaching and decide then if they want to do more.
0: Sounds great. Well, the weekend is here, but Tom, I look forward to doing it again with you Monday morning.
1: Wonderful. Look forward to it too, Walt. Thanks a lot.
0: Oh, thank you. And we hope that you join us as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.